to get into the word of God tonight. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. When you get there, you'll find these words. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. Each one who? Those that are outside. So we're talking tonight. We're picking back up on how to deal with outsiders. This is part three. We were supposed to do part three Sunday. Uh, we never got to it. The Holy Ghost changed the direction. Amen. And, and uh, healed people. And so tonight we're going to deal with that. How to deal with outsiders, part three. Father God, tonight, thank you for the word we're about to receive. We thank you, Father, that your word is already anointed. That your word carries with it inherent power. Inherent power to heal and deliver and set people free. That your word, Father, is able to build us up and give us an inheritance among the saints of God. So tonight I pray, Father, that you would anoint these lips of clay, that as I minister to your people, Father, that, Lord, I'll, I'll hear your thoughts and your words. Let them come forth through me. And I thank you that your people, Lord, have ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive that which you speak to us tonight. Lord, speak. Let there be clarity. I pray that there will be no misunderstanding, nobody even misconstruing the word in any way. Let the word be clear. That crystal clear to us tonight, we pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. and amen. All right, how to deal with outsiders, part three. Amen. As citizens of the kingdom of God, we, are, we have to learn how to navigate through this uh, world system. We know that we live in, in an increasingly secular uh, world out here. You look at what's going on uh, in the world, and you look at even what is uh, infiltrated the church, and you see the church has grown more and more secular. Uh, the sacred seems to be lost with uh, many people in the body of Christ. But the Bible said that there will come a time of falling away. Amen. So we're not surprised when apostasy happens, even the body of Christ. Amen. But you and I have to learn how to navigate this, this world and live in this world. Remember, we're in this world, not of this world. We've got to live in this world without compromising, without conforming. I said without compromising, without conforming. Don't be conformed to the world. Right, Romans 12, 2, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we can't compromise. We can't conform. Amen? We also got to make sure that we're not allowing corruption to come into us, into our lives. Amen? I want to I wanna say that because... You know, I preached already two parts of this series, and, you know, talking about dealing with outsiders, and I don't want anybody to misconstrue what we're saying. I don't want anybody to all of a sudden say, well, pastor's telling us to go hang around with sinners. I can tell by how quiet it is. It might have happened already. Pastor's not saying go and start hanging out with the world. That's not what pastor's saying. Uh, what I'm telling you is that because we're in this world, we have to deal with them. We have to be around them. You can't go into the grocery store. You can't go get your car washed. You can't go into a restaurant without dealing with you. Kids can't go to school for sure if they're going to a secular school without dealing with outsiders. Amen. We don't live in a commune. So you have neighbors who are unsaved. So we have to know how to deal with them, but I'm not telling you that you, you got to now start, all of a sudden start hanging with them and because what will happen, uh, when, you, when you begin to associate, from association 
comes assimilation. What does that mean? How many of y'all remember Star Trek? Any, any Trekkies in here? Assimilate means what happened, they, they uh, I forgot what, uh, Andrew probably remembers, what, what uh, species of people they were. The Borgs, yeah, that's what it was, that's right, it was, that's exactly right. That's the thing, right? Yeah, that's right. So the Borgs, they, their whole thing was assimilate, assimilate. So when somebody come around them, they would try to uh, somehow way telepathically or whatever, get their, their mindset into that person's mindset to make that person now to assimilate with their way of doing things. That's why the Bible says don't be conformed to this world. In other words, don't go along with the culture of this world. And when you and I associate, we will soon assimilate. That's, come on now. Uh, I, I ran into a bump here. That's why the Bible says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Hello, somebody. Don't get mad at two minutes into the message here. Come out from among them, be separate, says the Lord. God says, if you do that, I'll be your father. I'll be your God. You'll be my children. See? So we've got to make sure that we're not compromising, we're not conforming, we're not being corrupted by the world. There's a scripture over in um, uh, James chapter 1, verse 27. Put it on the screen for me, please. James 1, 27, where it says, James writes, it says, pure and undefiled religion before God. And the Father is this. So here's what pure and undefiled religion is. How many of y'all want undefiled religion? So pure, so in other words, there's, there's impure and there's defiled religion. As we see a lot of that all over the country, all over the world. But pure religion and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. To what? Visit orphans and widows in their trouble. Pause right there. That comma means pause. So visit Orphans and widows in their trouble. And we're supposed to do that. That's our good works. Right? That's, that's our duty. Call of duty. That's our duty right there. To visit orphans and widows. To take care of those who are poor. Take care of those who are afflicted. Take care of those who can't take care of themselves. We're supposed to do that. Take care of those defenseless ones. Take care of those, those innocent ones who don't have a voice. We're called to do that. But the, the verse doesn't stop there. Because part of undefiled and pure religion is also this. And to keep oneself, come on, unspotted. unspotted. Now whose job is that? Mine. Not God's. Mine. It is said God's going to keep you unspotted. Oh, help me out here, Holy Ghost. It says you keep yourself. We used to say God will keep you if you want to be kept. Tell you, David, God will keep you if you want to be kept. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. Amen. Jude chapter 1 verse 24 and 25. I learned it as a kid. I said it all every time as a benediction. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless. Some translations say spotless. But you have to keep yourself. Well, if I go around dirt, I'm going to get dirty. Hello, saints. Holiness. Holiness is what I long for. Right? Holiness 
is keeping yourself unspotted from the world. It's quiet in this Baptist church tonight. It's keeping yourself unspotted from the world. Jesus is coming back for a church. Huh? Well, what? Come on, what? Say it loud. Without spot. So I have to keep myself unspotted. Amen. Amen. That means that I have to be careful about what I allow myself to engage in. See, the, the devil is, is I, I, I got to give him credit if you allow that. He's doing a good job of deceiving people out in the church and the thinking that you can do anything you want to do and go anywhere you want to go and hang with anybody you want to hang with and whatever, 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 and it's going to all be all right. No, 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 no. He said keep yourself unspotted. Hello. If you're not winning them, I have news for you. They are winning you. Yeah, see, if you're not assimilating them into your kingdom culture, they are assimilating you into their secular culture. Well, I better move on because uh, I don't want to lose anybody at 8, 18 in the, in the evening. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So I got to be uncontaminated. Amen. 1 John 1, 5, or 1, or 1 John 2, 15 rather, talks about love not the world. Either the things that are in the world. All right? So we're not supposed to love the world. Amen. So I just, I just want to throw it out there so that nobody misconstrues my teaching. Because, see, when you stand before God in judgment, like everyone else will have to do, I don't want anybody saying, well, Pastor told me. Pastor John told me. And God looking at me like, you told him that? I say, no, sir, I didn't tell him that. Every man is... He's enticed and drawn, drawn away of his own lust. When people have lustful desires, you can tell them, be holy, be righteous, be sanctified. They're still going to go out there and find some way. Pastor told me to get Right? Amen. While I was sitting right there in church. Amen. Amen. So we all straight now. Pastor's not telling anybody to go out there and live sinfully, live in the world, act like the world. All I'm telling you is because we're still in the world, you and I have to know how to deal with those who are outside. Y'all got this here. All right. Now, go to John chapter 1 verse 5 real quick. Because I've been telling you this, that people in the world don't have a concept. They, they don't comprehend our ways. Right? And so that's why they ask us these questions. And so we're teaching about how to be able to answer them. So in John 1, 5, uh, this talking about, you remember it's talked talk about in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, words with God, the word was God, so on and so forth. When you get to John 1, 5, 1, 5, it's still talking about Jesus Christ, the word, but now it calls him, talk about him being the light. And it says, and the light shines, 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 King James shineth, means continual, didn't say shined, so he's not talking about past tense. It says, and the light shines in darkness. So the light continues to shine. And it says, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now that word comprehend, you look it up in the Greek, and it literally means to grasp, to understand, to conceive. 
Now, some translations mess it up and say the darkness could not um, uh, stop it, could not, could not contain it, could not keep the light from going forth. But that's not what it means. You look it up in the, the Greek word for that word uh, comprehend. It literally means to grasp, to understand it. So when light shines in darkness, darkness doesn't understand it. So you and I are called as lights in the midst of darkness. So the darkness does not understand our ways. If they get you, if they, y'all understand when I say get you? If they get you, then you, you might need to turn on your light up a little bit. <laughs> right? Hallelujah. There's, how many of y'all know darkness and light are totally different? Hallelujah. Darkness is the complete absence of light. Okay? So people in the world are trapped, the Bible says, in darkness. They're trapped in darkness. Trapped. So you and I are the lights in the midst of this darkness. And because they don't understand it, then they ask us questions like, why do you go to church? Why are you saved? Why do you read the Bible? Why do you do all that kind of stuff? Why, why are you there on a Wednesday night for sure? Right? So we're talking about how to be able to answer them. Okay? Okay, now let's, let's go forward. I'm going I'm to I'm uh, fast forward this quite a bit here. Um, let's go back to our main scripture, Colossians chapter 4 and verse 5. I want to look at it in the Passion Translation because it talks to us about when we're dealing with them to walk in wisdom towards those who are outside redeeming the time. Now the Passion Translation reads it like this. It says, walk in wisdom, in the, sorry, walk in the wisdom of God as you live before who? The unbelievers and make it your duty to make him known. Amen. So that's our call of duty right there. Amen. To make Jesus known to those who are unbelievers. Okay. Now remember I taught you that walking wisdom, that word wisdom is the Greek word. Thank you. Sophia. I remember that. I know it's been a while since I preached. About two weeks ago, I think, since I preached. But, you know, just, just indulge me. Just act like you remember or that you went over it. <laughs> okay. We're, we're on live television. Amen. So walk in wisdom. That word wisdom is, is the Greek word Sophia, right? And I want to highlight just the, the end portion of that, skill and discretion in imparting Christian truth. Skill and discretion in imparting Christian truth. What, what, uh, what Liz testified about was when that tonight, that man that she talked to, she had skill for a half hour in imparting Christian truth because the man said he was saved. And when she asked him, explain that to me, what does that mean? He didn't know. Which means he, he really wasn't saved. Because if you save, you know it. You know what you've been saved from. How many of y'all are saved in here? How many of y'all could tell, tell somebody right now what you've been saved from? <laughs> See? Everybody, when you first get saved, you know, if you, when you really get saved, you know what, you, what you've been saved from. You just don't know what you've been saved to. That's, that's what we're still learning right now, what we've been saved to. Right? We haven't learned fully all the things that God has stored up for us, things that he's done, so we're learning what we've been saved to. But you can rattle off in a heartbeat what you've been saved from. 
You see? So you have to have some skill and discretion in imparting Christian truth. Amen? Yeah. All right, now let's move out. I dealt with that the first two, two sessions. Let's deal with this tonight, this next part here. Go back to, to the New King James here. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. And then verse 6, Colossians 4 verse 6 says, let your speech always be with grace. Your speech always be with grace. So when I'm dealing with those who are outsiders, notice he says, let your speech. What speech? Your communication, your words. So that means you have to talk to somebody. Hello, I know this is elementary for all y'all advanced college degree people, but you have to talk to people. Hallelujah. Everyone has that ability. Everyone has speech. Right? Hallelujah. So when I'm around people, I'm, I'm admonished to talk to them. Hallelujah. Well, they, they all tatted up. You can still talk to them. Man, they got piercings in every orifice, piercings on every lobe, piercings in their nose, piercings in their eyeballs, piercings everywhere. Oh, my God, and they got blue hair. You can still talk to them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I mean, how hard is it to say good morning? Now, I know I'm making this too basic for y'all. Y'all, y'all want something deep, don't you? Barbara gave y'all powerful stuff this morning. Let, let me just be basic, though. <laughs> Everybody say speech. speech. Speech means communication, you talking. Which means you can't, you can't be shy. Hey, where are all our teens that's supposed to be in here? No, 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 no. They, they, they. Oh, they're celebrating that. Okay, because I'm saying, because they need to be here to get in this. Okay. All right. Okay, I just looked around like, like, man, they're not here. Amen. All right. Okay. You know, they could, they could be out in the back parking lot talking and stuff. You know, you got to watch them, put them on the cameras. Um, so your speech. So that means I'm supposed to talk to people. They're not my, my ethnicity. Talk to them. Well, they look like they have money. Talk to them. People who have money have problems. Somebody say, more money, more problems. That's what I heard somebody else say. I don't agree with that, but that's, you know. I mean, if you're doing it without God, yes, more money, more problems. That's for sure. So we're, we're encouraged to talk to people. So he says, let your speech always be with grace. Hallelujah. So let's look at that word grace here. That word grace is the, is the Greek word charis. Y'all have heard this before, this word charis, which means it's that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveliness. So let your speech always be with grace or that which affords joy. Hello, somebody pleasure, delight, sweetness, 
charm. You can be charming. Hello, somebody. Come on, Christians. See, see, Christians ought, ought not be the uh, rudest, ugliest. Complaining about everything. Jumping on the girl who's ringing up the groceries, just jumping all over her. You never know. That might be the very one that God has assigned to you to reach her and bring into the body of Christ. But if you've talked ugly to her, you can't come back behind that and now evangelize her. You talk ugly to some guy, you can't now come back and tell him how wonderful Jesus is. You know, I'm, uh, Mahatma Gandhi, y'all ever heard Mahatma Gandhi? Gandhi? I, I pray he got saved before he left here. I don't know. But he has a statement, I'm going to try to quote it to the best of my ability. He said, he said, I don't have a problem with Christ and Christianity. He said, my problem is with Christians. In other words, what he was saying was, Christians are just not nice. I'm going to come on this side. He said, they're just not nice. Now, I'm not excusing him because when he stands before God in judgment, God's not going to let him off the hook because Christians weren't nice. And I'm not going to let anybody else off the hook because Christians aren't nice. But my point is to us Christians, we have to be nice. So our speech, when we talk to people, especially outsiders, but we should practice on the inside. Okay? To speak in a way that affords that person joy. Why you look nice? Wow. Or pleasure. Hey, no, you, you go right ahead. Go right ahead. No, I got the door. You go ahead. How hard is that? Not allowing your speech to be used to, against them. Hallelujah. Joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness. I like sweetness too. I remember... Growing up, all the old people were sweet. Y'all remember that growing up? All well, not maybe not all of them. I mean, there might might have been a few cases of some mean old bitty. Everybody knew a mean old bitty. Had a old bitty in your neighborhood. Oh, a lot of times a bitty in the church, you know, smoked them long Virginia Slims. Long. And, and that person always want to be the candy lady. Let you. <laughs> we had a lady, man. We used to, we used to go as a kid, man, go, uh, I think middle school, elementary, middle school, one. We used to get on the bus and always go to this lady. I ain't going to call her name because y'all might be related to her. She used to sell these big old cookies right over in your, your granddaddy neighborhood, Andrew. Where y'all, where y'all live now? This big, she used to sell these big old cookies. And, uh, she had everything else flips, and, but especially we knew where to go get them cookies, man. You just save up a quarter, go get them cookies. What you going to? Yeah, I can't clean. 
so everybody was nice. But I just, but I remember a lot more just sweet, even sweet men. I don't mean sweet men, I mean sweet men. They were nice. Nice. Gentle men. Gentle men. I'm a gentleman. But it's like now, boy, the people that see you like, oh, they're like, what? They dug it out right at it. Hallelujah. I, we had, my wife and I were down, we were, uh, we were on our way out of town last week and pulled into the mall. We were going to stop and get, we were stopping to get some lunch there in the mall. And uh, I'm sitting there waiting to pull into this parking, parking lot. The mall is jam-packed on a Wednesday for some reason. It's just jam-packed, middle of the day. And I'm waiting to get this parking, parking spot. And I got my blinker on and this car's backing out. I'm waiting all of a sudden. This old lady comes from around me. I'm thinking, okay, she's just going to go around me because she's tired of waiting. She goes around me and zips into my parking space. I'm like, what the? And boys. And I said, no. She can have it. I'm like, what happens to the sweet old lady? I mean, just zip. We're like, what? These people got some boys, some nerves. Like, privilege. <laughs> I'm like, man, I want to jump out the car, but no, I'm not going to start my vacation off wrong like that. Sometimes old people think they have privilege just because they, you know, they got gray hair and I. Uh, no offense to the older people in the church today. Just wanna, y'all, are, y'all, are, y'all are sweet as pudding. Y'all, y'all are sweet as pudding. But notice it says here that let your speech always be with grace, always with this sweetness, this charm, loveliness, grace of speech, loveliness. Glory to God. Ephesians 4 and verse 29 gives us a, a scripture like this. Ephesians 4 29, put it on the screen for me, please. Where Paul says, let no corrupt word communication proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification so there's some necessary edification edification is building up so people need some need some building up so when you open your mouth don't let corrupt words come out or words that will corrupt somebody but let words come out that are good for necessary edification that it that your communication may impart grace to the hearer. So, oh, I don't, people outside, they're sinners, they're going to hell. No, that, that don't speak that. Minister to them. Impart grace. You know, you may not get them saved on the first shot. Yeah, get, get that scripture. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 30. He quoted that. Proverbs 11, verse 30. Put it on the screen for me, please. Proverbs 11, verse 30. I probably had that down here somewhere. I'm sure, Chris. Well, maybe I didn't. But I do now. Proverbs 11, verse 30. <laughs> the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who does what? Is what? Some translations say he who wins souls must be wise. 
Now, when it's talking about winning souls, remember in the Old Testament, I've taught you this, there was nobody getting saved. There was no salvation in the Old Testament. So when he says winning souls, he's not talking about getting them saved. He's talking about winning their, their emotion, winning, winning their soul to you. Now, for us, that gives you the open door now to get them saved. But if you've been mean and rude and nasty and cantankerous and obnoxious, you've lost your soul. And the Bible says something about a brother uh, offended is harder to win than a, than a strong city, a walled city. So you can't walk around and have this offensive speech to people. You are nasty, helpful. You can't even go around saying it to people. This is Florida, isn't it? Y'all know what a heifer is, right? <laughs> you, can't, you can't do that. Baskin grew up on that word right there. Not in her house. I'm talking about other, other places. Right, that's what I said. It wasn't, it wasn't, wasn't in her house, no. No, no, no. <laughs> So my speech, listen, listen to all of what it says, that it may, go back, go back to uh, Ephesians 4.29, please, me thank you. Ephesians 4.29, notice it says that it may, or my speech may impart grace. I can impart something? I mean, that's not just an, just an apostolic word. Not just a prophet's word. You and I, every one of us, have the ability to impart something to someone. In other words, can I tell you this? You and I have the ability to make someone's day. To give them a hope for their future. That's, that's what you did, Liz, that woman who's coming in out of that abortion clinic. Death row. <laughs> Is you're giving, hey, I, uh, I'll help you. Then I love you. Before you know it, now she's broken down and made a decision, a life-changing decision. We don't know whether that was one baby, two babies, how many babies in there. We don't know and how many generations were coming after that because all you did was imparted some grace. You released something. You and I, through our speech, have the ability to release something. As a matter of fact, we're always, always releasing something. That's why it says don't let corrupt words proceed because your corrupt words are going to impart something else. Amen? Amen. So I've been telling you this about, you know, don't disparage uh, unbelievers. No, don't, don't, don't belittle them because they don't know. Hello? Now, I'm not talking about wicked people. Wicked people, they know. People who are wicked, they made a covenant with death, an agreement with hell. They are, they, they fine with that. They ain't never coming in. They don't ever want to know Jesus. They, in fact, they're trying to do everything that they can. We learned this to win the sinners to them. But we're over here trying to win the sinners to us, to the kingdom, to set them out of, out of uh, set them free out of that bondage, that darkness, right? So we can impart something by our speech. So don't belittle them. Impart grace to them. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, let's look at another scripture, please. Titus 2, I'm sorry, Titus 3, verses 2 and 3. And let's go right for sake of time, media, because we're, we're kind of late here, uh, into the Passion Translation, please. Titus 3, verses 2 and 3 in the Passion Translation. 
Everybody see it on the screen? Okay, let's read it together. Uh, ready, read. And remind them to never tear down anyone with their words or quarrel, but instead be considerate and courteous to, to who? Everyone. Read verse 3. Verse 3, please. For it wasn't that long ago that we behaved ourselves foolishly in our stubborn disobedience. We were easily led astray as slaves to worldly passions and pleasures. We wasted our lives in doing evil, and with hateful jealousy, we hated others. So he's saying, this is how we, you and I used to be. We used to be the same way. So go back to verse 2, please. So he says, so in verse 2, so instead, be considerate, humble, and courteous to everyone. Why is he saying everyone? Because he's saying not just to the Christians. Be courteous. Oh, they're gay. Well, you can still be courteous to gay people. I better just let that marinate for a second. Well, they're a gangbanger. They're a thug. That's probably your cousin. Be, be courteous. Am I, are we reading this right? Uh, uh, we, we better go to the King James because people, well, the passion probably makes it nicer. Let's go back to the King James. Let's help everybody out. Let's go all the way to the King James. That's everybody's official Bible. King James. To speak evil, go back to verse 1, verse 1. Verse 1, let's get in context for all the theologians. Start at verse 1. Put them in mind, this is the, to the church, to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, those in authority, to be ready to every good work. Now verse 2, to speak evil of, evil of, evil of, no man. You know love thinks no evil? You can't say you love people and you're always talking about them. That ain't love. So speak evil of no man. To be no brawlers. That's why I couldn't jump out the car. I could have, I could have my wife jump out. Go get her, babe. Go get her. See, me, that would have been a serious charge, but if maybe a woman, they would have cut us some slack, you know. But be no brawlers. You ain't got to always go fight nobody about how they, how they offended you, how they mistreated you, how they talked about you. I heard you talking about me, so you start brawling. You ain't, don't do that. Don't do that. You should not be the ones all the, always got the police at your house. Hallelujah. So we're speaking evil of no man. We're not being brawlers, but how should we be, Deacon King James, man? But gentle, showing all meekness unto all. all. So it says all men here. All men includes unsaved men, unsaved women, unsaved children. So go back to the passage translation so we can see because it would be gentle. 
Because I want you to see that word again, courteous. Courteous. In other words, you don't have to be disrespectful of people because they have made some bad choices. Oh, I'm going to give you some more. Glory to God. Now, so it says be humble, be, be considerate, humble, and courteous to everyone. Can we do that? Come on, make, make a commitment tonight. I can do that. I can be considerate, humble, and courteous to everyone. Blue hair, green hair, purple hair, orange hair, tatted on their face. They look scary. Just be considerate. <laughs> Good morning. Hallelujah. Courteous to everyone. We can do that. How many of y'all know Jesus had a, a mega ministry? A very attractive ministry. This is what made him, his ministry so attractive. Is that he was courteous to everybody. You know, you know who he really talked down to when he talked down to? It's some Pharisees, religious folk, who were trying to keep everybody else from coming into the kingdom. You old snakes, you old vipers, brood of vipers. <laughs> Y'all something else. But notice, people came to Jesus. They were attracted to Jesus. The unbelievers, sinners were attracted to him. He, he didn't, he didn't, Jesus didn't go hang around them. They came to hang around him. Why? Because his ministry was attractive. He was attractive. I don't just mean good looking. I'm talking about, and he, Jesus, Jesus was sure good looking. I mean, I know he was. Dressed well. Probably smelled nice. Maybe pouring ointment on him. I mean, he smelled nice everywhere he went. Right? I'm just saying. But he was courteous to everybody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Look, look at, uh, give me Luke 4, Luke 4, verse 22. Luke 4, 22. New King James. We can go back there, please. Hallelujah. Look at what it says. So all bore witness to him, that's capital H, him, Jesus, and marveled, watch this, at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? This man, look how he's speaking. Gracious words. Only people who got offended his words were the Pharisees. But the sinners would hang on like, really? Really? I can be healed? There's a new kingdom? I don't have to be poor? I don't have to be a prostitute anymore. Remember that woman who was caught in adultery? John 8 brought to him, thrown at his feet, caught in the very act. <laughs> I mean, what does that look like? I mean, caught in the very act and all y'all's men bringing, what were y'all watching? Perverts. Religious perverts sitting there watching. That's how they caught in the very act. They sitting there watching. I mean, just think about what's happening there. And drug her out, threw her at Jesus' feet. 
What do you say about this Jesus, this woman? Gracious words come out. Gracious words come out. If any man be without sin, let him cast the first stone. Looks down. Looks back up. Woman, where are your accusers? She said, I, I have none. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Gracious words. He didn't say, now you know you are stinking, skanking. Beep, 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 and all that stuff. He didn't. That's not gracious words. I, I, I don't know if this is helping anybody but me. But he was, he was so kind and generous in his compassion. You know, we, we used to sing the song, he looked beyond my faults and saw my need. That's what he did for her. He looked beyond her faults and saw her need for forgiveness. I guarantee you that woman never went back to that lifestyle anymore. To be forgiven by the master when by law she should have been put to death. But he imparted grace. What happens if we just impart grace to people? Uh, give me First Thessalonians chapter five, verse fourteen and fifteen. First Thessalonians five. Me that you don't have this. I wrote this down before service. First Thessalonians five, verse fourteen and fifteen. I want to add a couple of scriptures to this tonight, because we this we gotta be this way to everybody, Chris. To everybody, to not just contain our uh, righteous talk and our good talk to people within the crowd and those who look like us and people who dress the nicest and you look the nicest and you know I'm comfortable around them. We got to do this to everybody. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 14 and 15 says, now we exhort you brethren, who he's talking to here? Brethren, that's the Christians. Warn those who are unruly. Hello? That's in the church. Huh? Now, who's, who he says to do this? Brethren, not, not pastoring. Brethren, that means everybody does it. Pass out or say something. No, no, you are brethren. You're a brethren. You're a sisterin. You ought to say something. That's a made-up word. Sister is not a real word. You, you, you say something. I'm going to tell pastor. No, 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 no. Tell them. You say something. They're unruly, you say something. What, what does unruly mean? They're not following the rules. There's no rules in the kingdom. Yes, there are rules in the kingdom. God's rules didn't change. Therefore, I benefit. So when people aren't keeping the rules, warn them. Why? Okay, let me just pause it. I don't mean to stay on this here. But when he says warn, why would he say warn them? Because there's danger if they keep going that route. He's talking to this about church people, Christians. So Christians who will remain unruly are in danger. Hello, somebody. Am I talking to the right people tonight? So warn those who are unruly. That's our job. Somebody say, that's my job. Your, your, your best girl, you know, they hanging out and doing something you know is wrong. You, you see it on Facebook. And you don't say anything, you're signing off on it. They Instagramming, putting all kind of photos of them doing all kind of stuff, and 
whatever, and you don't say anything. Now, we, we know how to deal with the outsiders, but we got to deal with the insiders too. Now, this is the insiders right here. Y'all got mad just that quick. Warn those who are unruly. Comfort the faint-hearted so there are people who start to get weak. Comfort them. Come on. That comfort means really to strengthen them, help build them up. Come on. Come on. We can do this. We're gonna, hey, we're not going to quit on God. We're not going to have any relapses. Put your hand to the plow. Right? That's how Pastor Middleton said to put your hand to the plow. We ain't going to look back, right? Glory to God. Boy, I like that. No relapsing. Praise God. Come with a few hearted. Uh, faint-hearted, rather, uphold the weak. When people are weak, you got to help hold them up. The strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. But then look what it says. Be patient with all. Now, we've gone beyond just the church. Now we're talking about all, everybody. Be patient with all. So uh, what does it mean to be patient It means you give them time. That means people aren't going to get it on the first shot every time. I didn't. I know I didn't. I, I as we say, growed up in the church. Grew up. Grew up in the church. I mean, I got saved young, but I could have gotten saved a lot younger than I did. But thank God that he was patient with me. So the Bible says for us to be patient with all. Amen? Please be patient with me. God is not through with me yet, right? Put up verse 15, please. Verse 15. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone. To anyone. But always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all. Go to one more. Go to um, 2 Timothy. 2 and 23. I'll start at verse 23. 2 Timothy 2, verse 23. Hallelujah. Y'all doing all right tonight? Thank you, Lord. 2 Timothy 2, I'll start at verse 23. It says, but avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they do what? They generate strife. So don't get all kinds of disputes. Keep going. We're going to be patient with people. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel. How many servants do we have here tonight? All right? Must not quarrel. Don't fight with people about these things, but be gentle to? All. Gentle to? All. I want to make sure y'all see that. Gentle to all. These are the outsiders too. Able to teach. Patient. Keep going. Verse, uh, uh, we'll see this. Verse 20, 25. In humility, correcting those who are in opposition. In humility, Correcting those who are in opposition, in humility, if God perhaps will grant them what? So that they may know the truth. What's the problem? They don't know the truth. But don't ship them off to hell. Before you do that, for sure, there's intercede for them. Okay, let's keep going because verse 26 finishes off. And that they may come to their senses. Oh, here we go. 
You're patient so that they may come to their senses. When you're telling the truth, you're bringing correction. Hey, that means if you see somebody and they they in in wrong, in sin, in a wrong lifestyle, correct them. Don't sign off on it. Don't agree with it. I'm going to tell you, hey, that's not right, baby. Sweetheart, that's not right. You know, know, we know what the word says. See, people are being duped today like the word is not true anymore. People are being, I'm talking about Christians, even out of the church, are being duped as if God has somehow uh, relaxed his laws like they've relaxed COVID rules. God has not relaxed his rules. <laughs> Amen. Well, this 2021 is not the same way anymore. That's how it used to be. But God, we don't see where God really said anything about this and about that. Yes, he did. You might have marked it out of your Bible, but it's still in my Bible. It's still in my Bible, you see? So it's right, but I'm not going to beat you up with this. I'm going to correct you in the military. Hey, this is how it needs to be done. How it needs to be, I'm going to speak the truth in love, okay? Here's the hope, that they may come to their senses and escape the, what is a snare? It's a trap. They're trapped in this darkness. That they may come to their senses, which means they're not in their right mind. You know people aren't in their right mind. Come on now. People cannot be in their right mind and they keep on smoking crack and they can look at 30,000 of people who died. <laughs> They're going to keep on smoking it. They're going to go ahead and hit the meth and they, don't, they can look at everybody else's mouth. You cannot be in your senses. When you see what is done to people before you, you understand what I'm saying? They're not in their senses. Glory to God. I know people, people are not, not in their senses when they think you can, man can be with a man, a woman can be with a woman. You're not in their senses. I got quiet right there. They're not in their senses. A guy goes around thinking he's a woman. A woman goes around thinking she's a man. They're not in their senses. Then they, then they get married. Like, wait a minute. They just, you just confused me. Hold on. I thought, I thought you had switched to that. But now, wait. It don't make sense to me. And the truth is, they're not in their senses. But if we correct in humility, the hope is that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil. Notice, having been taken captive by him to do his will. That's what the devil does, is he comes and takes people captive to do his will. They think, well, I'm free. I'm free. I can smoke what I want, drink what I want to drink, and do what I want to do. No, you don't realize you're, you're trapped. You're a captive. That's why we have to correct. Keep dropping that seed of the word in the hopes that they come to their senses. Huh? Huh? To everyone. You see, you see some woman who walks around, she thinks she's a man. I'll, I'll say, I'll always use the feminine pronouns with them. 
I'm not, I'm not going to agree with you. I'm not, I'm not going to acknowledge. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sign off on your senselessness. You're not him and you're definitely not they. This new thing they got now is they and them and we. <laughs> Wait a minute. That sounds bipolar. Wait a no. Young lady, young man, sir, ma'am. I'm not saying it, you don't have to say it in a nasty way. It's in humility, correcting. I heard a preacher say this last night. He said, he said, you know, anthropologists, when they dig up your bones, the bones telling you, you, you can, you can, you can, you can identify in a way you want to. Your bones are gonna tell you. A DNA test, they know male or female. I'm not picking on that. My, my point is anything where people are, are not in their senses. You see? So you, we, you and I have to pray them through that. You know when that, when that young man left home in Luke 15, we called him prodigal son, you don't think his dad was praying for him every day? And what did the Bible say? The young man said when he came to his senses, he was out of it. When he came to a sense that he said, wait a minute, uh, what am I doing here? It's like one day he just snapped. He just, he just woke up, Brother Joe. Just, Whoa, what am I doing here? Why am I, what am I doing around these pigs? What am I doing around all this slop? Why am I living like this when I can go back to my father's house and the, the servants have bread enough to spare? What am I doing here? He's like, he woke up. He said, I'm going to go home. So what we do is we intercede for people. Lord, bring them back to their senses. Amen. God, there's still time. They're still breathing. They're still walking around. They're still living. There's still time. I'm going to pray them back into their senses in Jesus' name. Y'all got that? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, I'm talking about tonight, and I'm, I'm really out of time, but it says your speech Back in Colossians 4, verse 6, let your speech always be with grace. So we're talking about this, that word grace again, that which affords joy, pleasure, delight, sweetness, charm, loveness, grace of speech. We're talking about uh, imparting grace to the hearers, talking about not being um, uh, quarrelsome with your words, we're talking about using gracious words here. Let's look at one more scripture here, Proverbs 16, 21. Proverbs 16, 21. I like this scripture here. It says, the wise in heart will be called what? Prudent. And sweetness of the lips increases learning. Sweetness of the lips increases learning. That's when we get the phrase sweet lips. Here's talking about using sweet lips. Somebody say sweet lips. What are sweet lips all about? It's, it's talking sweetly. It's not... You know, God had to really deal with me. In fact, I put it on every, every time I preach, I, I put it across the top of my page, my, my header. I, 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 in fact, I put, on there, I put on there, be patient, be gentle, use sweet lips. 
It's on there now. Every, every message I preach, no matter where I go, I put on there. Be patient. Because I learned, I had to learn as, as a preacher, I had to become patient, Brother Robert. I had to learn that the Holy Ghost is a teacher. I'm the speaker. The Holy Ghost is a teacher. And I can't force anything into you. Something that I might have spent weeks on getting revelation about, I can't force you to get it in five minutes. I wasn't always like that, Mayan. As a preacher, Liz, I wasn't always like that. I just, I, I preach and try to make you, but y'all, y'all ain't getting this yet. Y'all not looking at me. But the, the more I matured, I learned, and God told me, you got to be patient with people. People not going to get it. First shot. Then I learned, I wrote, be gentle. Be gentle. So I have a, a softer, gentler way of preaching now. Have you noticed it? Some of y'all been with me a long time. You notice this pastor is much gentler now. I used to say all kind of stuff. You old raggedy cell. I mean, this is. Oh, yes, I did. I used to say stuff like, you know, I remember one time telling the praise team, this was like five, six, seven variations of the praise team ago. I remember saying, boy, y'all sound like a hot mess. I wouldn't lie, but I, mean, I, just shouldn't, I probably shouldn't have said it like that. Y'all sound like a hot mess. <laughs> so you have to learn to say hot mess in a, in a gentler way. That wasn't so... We could, we, could, we could do better. So I had to, to put it on my paper. It's, every time I look at my paper, it's reminded to me, be patient, be gentle. And the last one I put on there is use sweet lips. Because sweetness of, of the lips increases learning. Well, my job, I, I learned this. I learned this. Thank God for Brother Tony Nelson. Some of y'all remember Brother Tony Nelson. God helped him, uh, use him rather to help me get some of these things down. That I was, I found out in my earlier days, I was more interested in teaching than you learning. I was more interested in how I could teach it and how I could say it than you learning it. Do you understand this difference? You understand? I mean, so I got some teachers here, classroom teachers. Just because you're a teacher in a classroom doesn't mean your kids are learning. I mean, Paul's County and all the school systems across the country are full, full of teachers. 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 But a lot of kids aren't learning. Now, a lot of it is the kids' fault. Now, I'm going to just say that. But then a lot of it is that you have some teachers who are there because it's a check, it's a, it's a job I could get. I got a degree that said, you, you need a job. Okay, I can get a job. I can go be a teacher. And what happens, those people who are those kind of teachers, the students don't really learn much. Because the teachers are just trying to go through this. And I got this little, I downloaded some curriculum offline. I'm a teacher, whatever, whatever. And even as preachers, we, we, do this, we do the same thing. Preachers can be so zealous 
about getting our points across, about showing you what we know, that we're not really interested in you learning anything. Are y'all hear what I'm saying to you? And I had to learn, wait a minute, the point is for the people to learn. Hello? And once I begin to get that, okay, wait a minute, all right. So now I'm interested in you learning. So that's why it might take us three weeks to finish one message. Not because, well, I'm just trying to make my job a little easier and just stretch this out. No, it takes time to learn. And the Holy Ghost has to bring illustrations. He has to bring stories. He has to bring analogies. He has to bring little parables for, so that the people learn. That's why Jesus taught him parables, so people could learn to make things clear to them. But he also spoke in a way. Sweetness of lips increases learning. Right? So if I'm sitting there talking to a Jehovah's Witness or a Muslim <laughs> or whatever faith somebody, someone may be, if I'm going to bash them over the head, they're not learning anything. It's going to turn into a quarrel. We both lose. See? But if I have sweetness of lips, it increases their learning. Get, get, let's, let's, that's amount of time, really. Let's, let's look at a couple more modern translations. Let's just look at, let's look at the, um, the living Bible on this verse right here. I'm just throwing them out. I didn't, I didn't tell you this ahead of time. Let's just, let's see what it is. Living Bible. The wise man is known by his common sense, and a pleasant teacher is best. That's a good one right there. A pleasant teacher is best. That's why I try to remind myself, when you're teaching, Smile. Anybody been through my preacher-teacher class? I might bring that back later this year. Preacher-teacher, uh, smile when you teach. Because when you smile, when you're smiling when you're teaching, you are not beating anybody up. It's hard to beat people up when you're smiling. You're some sorry messes. You're just, y'all dumb. You're never going to get this. Not, it doesn't work. So when you smile, gracious words come through smiles. Boy. All right, give me a... Uh, um, messages will lump things together. Give me uh, the passion on this. The passion. The passion translation. The one with a wise heart is called discerning and speaking sweetly to others. Makes your teaching even more convincing. Hello? Speaking sweetly to others make your, makes your teaching even more convincing. That is powerful. All right, let's do one more, one more. Give me the uh, CEV. No, let's do two more. CEV and the ERV. I like those. CEV. Good judgment proves that you are wise, and if you speak kindly, you can teach others. If you speak kindly, you can teach somebody. And then give me the ERV. We'll close with that one. People will know if someone is wise. Those who choose their words carefully can be very convincing. Choose your words wisely. Choose your words carefully. That means, old, old saying, think before you speak. Be swift to hear, slow to speak. One, one thing that happens when we're dealing with outsiders, especially somebody of a different faith, but they got a different opinion, they already got their formulated think mindset, is we are thinking about our comeback 
Doesn't that happen in marriages or even just marriage? With anybody arguing. You don't have to be married. You can be two people in the, on, the, on the playground arguing. When you argue, most people don't take time to, to listen to what the other person is saying. They already formulated in mind what they're going to say. I mean, that makes the arguments non-productive. But if I'll be swift to hear, slow to speak, now I can choose my words carefully and they become more convincing. See, so you're always around outsiders. We're always around unbelievers. So a lot goes into how we talk. We just spent this whole night talking about just how we talk. Our speech. I used to hear some people say, um, everywhere you go evangelize, and if you have to, use your words. If you have to, use your words. Well, I want to say you have to. You have to use your words. You know, we can let our light so shine, this little light of mine, will let it shine. But at some point, you have to open your mouth. Because you can't evangelize telepathically. At some point, you got to use your words. I mean, you, we like some weird old Christians if every time we go by somebody, we like. People like, these people are weird. Look, we walk around looking like Scientologists. Weird people, boy. We, we met a bunch of them. See? So we have to use our speech. And if we, would, if we would let our words be seasoned with grace, now we can win people's souls and that opens the door to now telling somebody about Jesus Christ. And they'll want to hear us. Because we've, we've been nice to them. Nobody wants to listen to somebody who's been mean to them. You've been nice. You've been cordial, been courteous people listen to you, hear what you have to say. So that neighbor who's been getting on your nerves for the last 20 years, why don't you try being nice? <laughs> we better stop it right there. And then that open door for you to say something to them. Amen? I'm believing God. Here's what I, what I know. I, I've, I've been several, I've heard several men of God saying this in the last couple weeks that they're all, they're all getting this strong notion that Jesus is coming very, very soon. I mean, very, very soon. It's not nearly as long as we think. He's coming very, very soon. Now, now I'm excited about that. Yes. Even so, come Lord Jesus. But, we don't want to leave a bunch of people here. It's not as well the end should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But angels aren't doing the evangelizing. <laughs> and you and I have to do that. Amen? Amen? And we've got to make sure that we are indeed letting our light shine, but we are also opening up our mouths and, and speaking and explaining the truths of the kingdom to people. Amen? It doesn't hurt if you buy somebody lunch. That's part of winning souls, winning, winning your soul. 
There are people you, can, you would never in your life say anything bad about Oprah Winfrey because she's won their souls by what she's done for them. And I'm just using her as, as an example, you know what I mean? Many people, they, they do things for people and they win their souls. So when you and I are a blessing to someone, we win their souls. And then we have the opportunity now to share the gospel with somebody. Amen? Amen. God's, God wants us to win our city for Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. So just the challenge is, everywhere you go, open your mouth. So open your mouth. Hallelujah. Just say something. Somebody you see at, at the, uh, I almost said supermarket, the grocery store all the time, make a, make a point to speak to that person. Call their name. Learn their names, yeah. I, I, I did that. The guy, um, guy comes to clean our pool. And uh, he was a new guy. And uh, the moment he said his name, I, I wrote his name down on my phone, Trevor. I start praying for Trevor all the time, Trevor all the time. So now if I can catch him, I'm going to call him, hey, good morning, Trevor. How you doing? And I was, I'll be able to share the word. First time he came, he, he caught me. I was out there reading the word, listening to praise the worship, everything. I'm sitting there. And I didn't know because he came at a different time. So I'm, I'm out there in my, my worship time. He said, oh, you listening? Yeah. What's your name? Trevor. Okay, so I got it. So I got it. Uh, Trevor. Trevor. Y'all pray for Trevor. Trevor gets saved. Amen. We got to use our speech. Season with grace. Amen. That's all. Give God a praise tonight if you receive that word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank God his grace is on the inside of us. His grace is on us. And we can now impart that grace to other people as we go about our days. Amen. Father, thank you tonight for the word we've received. Thank you for each person, Lord, who's uh, tuned in, those online, those that are here in person. Father, I pray that, Father, each person, Lord, has been challenged by the word in all the various ways. The things that you brought up tonight, we thank you, Lord, for the challenges from your word. That, God, we have a responsibility as saints of God, as believers, to uh, deal with each other in truth, to warn those who are unruly, that we comfort those who are feeble-minded, Lord. We, we uphold those who are weak. But we are also patient with everybody, Father. And that, God, you give us the ability, Lord, to be courteous, to be humble, uh, to be nice, just gentle to people everywhere, Father, regardless of how they look and how they may be dressed or what, what, how, how they may identify themselves. God, we still have the duty to be courteous and respectful, Father, and to, 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 to be able to say the right things. Father, thank you, Lord, that you know how to give us the right words at the right time. Because we don't know what anybody is going through. We don't know what state they're in at the moment. We don't know what got them to that place where they're strung out or whatever they're, they're doing. We don't know why that person, Lord, is a, is a, a rebel rouser, why, why they're a gangbanger. We don't know. But we, one thing we do know, that we were all in that same case at some point in our lives. We all have our own testimonies. We all have our own histories. We all have our own stories. And we know that, God, you saved us, and we know what you saved us from. And, God, we want all men to be saved, all men to come to know Jesus Christ. And so we ask you, Father, I'm asking you tonight that these are precious people, that we would have a greater boldness, 
I pray for a greater boldness. I declare even a greater boldness over these, your people, Father, that in our lives we will have greater boldness to preach and teach and speak your word. We'll have greater boldness to move out in the gifts of the Spirit. We'll have greater boldness, God, to, to, Lord, to talk to people, Lord, who, who may, may even seem intimidating to us, God. Thank you, God, that we'll have greater boldness to, to share with everybody, Lord, and not, not be intimidated by anybody, no matter what they look like, that God will speak. Use our mouths, these instruments you've given us, and let the grace, the gracious words come out of our mouths and help people, as your word says, come to their senses and be delivered from the snare of the devil who's taken them in, taken them captive. Thank you that they'll be delivered. Father, I pray for Trevor, and I pray for all those, Lord, those names that we have on our minds right now. We ask you, even as we asked you a couple weeks ago, Lord, draw on their hearts. Draw on their hearts. Let them come to you, Father. Let, Lord, bring them out of that darkness into your marvelous light. Bring those prodigal sons. Bring, bring even those who once knew you, those who once walked with you, God, and they've slipped back, Lord. Lord, they, they have begun to, Lord, to backtrack, God. Bring them back, Father. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ. Well, Lord, we don't, we don't let them go. We call them back into the household of God. We call them back into the household of faith. We call them back into the way of, of, the, of the kingdom of God. We call them back in Jesus' name. And those who never knew you, we call them in. We call them in. We call them in. We call them in in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, that God, when we stand before you, we'll be able to have proof and evidence that we've been laborers in your vineyard to say, Father, we were, we were true disciples. Not only did we follow you, but we also advanced your kingdom. We helped other people come into the faith. That's what we desire. We thank you. We thank you. Father, I lift up tonight, Lord, every one of those women and men who may be contemplating abortion, we ask you, Father, that God, you let them come to their senses, that you deliver them from that trap of the enemy. Those who don't see any hope, they don't see even a glimmer or an ounce of hope that they can provide a good life for their child or perhaps they're, they're so consumed with their own lives they see that child as a, as a potential con uh, inconvenience to their lives. God calls them to know, Father, that God, that you have already called that child. You have already put your hand upon that child, that you have a destiny and a future for that child. God, and bring them back from that decision, that cost of decision, because God, many times, Lord, they don't even know the, the terrible price that we paid in their own souls and their emotions. The terrible torment and torture and pain that they deal with from the enemy. The devil who leads them to do those things and then comes and torments them about it. God, we ask you, Father, to intervene as we intercede, to intervene as we intercede right now. We pray, Lord, for every one of those pregnancy centers, Father, where they are working to save and preserve life. That God, even when the city governments are trying to withhold funding and when, even when they're trying to uh, even shut them down, Lord, we ask you, Father, God, that you give us, Lord, strong hands. That God, that they won't even look to the government anymore for any assistance. 
but that the church will rise up and fund and finance these great works that are helping to preserve lives and bless men and women who choose life for their babies. We pray, Father, that God, that we will be so well endowed financially that God, they can do ministry on a level that they never even thought of before without, any, without having to rely on or answer to the government for anything. God, make our hands strong. Make our hands strong. Make our hands strong. Raise up Holy Ghost-filled millionaires and multimillionaires and billionaires who will help, help provide that even when these moms and these dads choose life, that we can help, Lord, house them and feed them and take care of them until they're able to get on their feet and, and, and able to get along and move. Thank you, Father, that you're raising up kingdom, kingdom financiers, kingdom paymasters. We thank you, Father, that you're using us for that purpose. God, we just bless you tonight. We honor you. We thank you. And we give you the highest praise. It's our hallelujah. It belongs to you. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. 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 Put those hands together and give Father God a great big hand of praise tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, God really has to raise up wealthy people in the body of Christ to do this because, you know, one of the sinners that we support on a regular basis is the Next Step Pregnancy Center.